So, dude, you see those uh, Nickelback All the Right Reasons 15-year anniversary tour rumors going around? Yes, the Nickelback tour is basically – that's like a tour that's made just for me. I can go there. I can drink my <laughs> my Budweiser. I can sit out there. I can just sit there with my whole family in our lawn chairs. This is just made for me. If If you're there and I'm at the show – and you see me crying, just leave me alone because I've got so many great memories tied to <laughs> just, that record. Just leave me alone. Dude, straight up, I am hitting that up over the summer. I cannot wait for it to be like 90 degrees and we're just kicking back buds and just screaming along to photograph and fucking animals and that whole record. I don't give a shit. This is not the first time I have defended Nickelback on this show and it won't be the last. Those dudes know how to write a fucking hook and there's a reason why they've sold millions of albums. So you know how people follow around the Grateful of Dead and stuff, and I, I think that maybe we just rent an RV and we're just cracking <laughs> cold ones and we're just in our camo gear and we're just all summer long out there following Nickelback around. Dude, I am straight up, that's like a bucket list dream right there. <laughs> just following around fucking Nickelback. I know uh, I know our, our listeners don't, don't really care too much about, about Nickelback, but quick introduction. This is Brian Storm from Rockfeed. Thank you so much for joining me on the show, man. Happy to be uh, you here. You and I go back quite a few years, and we have uh, ruffled quite a few feathers in the scene. But um, <laughs> yeah. Brian has grown Rockfeed from nothing to this juggernaut of a media outlet. He loves rock music and wants to see it succeed, and it's been so cool watching you grow over the years, dude. Thank you so much Thanks. for joining me, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. I just want to add one thing. I want to... Uh, shout out to uh, Matt for everything he's done for the podcast. I've obviously been a big fan of the show over the years and just wanted to shout out to him because I, I hope that uh, this continues to grow and it wouldn't be what it is today without his contributions. Definitely. Yeah, we miss you, Matt. We'll probably say it every episode. I know you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. So before we jump in, this is this is probably one of our most anticipated episodes of the year we're ranking the 10 current biggest bands in the scene you know we take uh, all the numbers and all the information that we have available to us and just kind of lay the landscape of where the scene is at right now and it has changed a lot from uh, the last two episodes that we did in 2017 and 2018 but some things are still the same but we're going to dive into that in a second but first off we do have a listener question from jordan uh, he writes into the show, he says, One of the last episodes before the hiatus was about what the new Issues album would be like. What do you think of Beautiful Oblivion? I love Rain, Downfall, <sighs> Second Best, but the rest of the album is hit or miss for me. Okay, so uh, <sighs> Brian and I have a lot of thoughts on Issues. Uh, we're going to keep this quick. But for me, I couldn't stand the album. It was a huge disappointment. It was honestly one of the things that made me return to Twitter because of how, how bad it was. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't stand that bounce core, sludgy, like, halftime. Every song sounds the fucking same. There's none of that old school magic except... For one of the songs that you listed was Rain. That's the only song I've ever gone back to on this new record. It it has the essence of that old school issues magic of that like turntable post-hardcore from 2013-2014, that first EP and the first full length when the band was really popping off. But it is a hard, hard pass for me. And the and the sales definitely line up with that. Just before before Brian gives his thoughts. I just want to run down. Their debut did 22,000. The second record did 18,000. This one, 
3,300. It is not there for issues in 2020. What are your thoughts, Brian? All right, I have a lot of thoughts. My first thought initially is that you're dead wrong on this one. And, you know, I still love you for it. I still love you for it, but you're dead wrong. And let me tell you why you're dead wrong, Tyler. These guys aren't in it for the sales. They're not in it for the big numbers. They approached this album and they spent a lot of time on this album to make a record that they were obviously proud of. These are, they're focusing on being virtuosos more so than they're focusing on making a metalcore record. And, And they've got songs on this record. Like, Fine Forever. It's a beautiful song. It's a great song about love. And then they, they took risks. They took risks on songs like Flexin. It's a crazy risks, song. He said. It's a crazy, on, insane song. And look, it's not my favorite song. I'm not saying that it's my favorite song. But mm-hmm. it's a song that when you listen to it, you're like, hey, I respect them for taking chances. Is it my favorite Issues record? Absolutely not. But is it a respectable record from them? I think so. Thank God they got rid of that like that that bro that was in the band that was trying to sing for a while. I don't even know his name. But, you know, it was it, it obviously proved to be a good move for them. Now that he's out of the picture, they can actually spread their wings and they can fly, and that is why I played Tapping Out the entire summer. I was ro- rocking that thing. Get I was cruising the up and hell down. Out of here, man. I, dude! I was. Come I played it like a hundred. It was one of my top songs of the year last you year on Spotify. Be fucking kidding me? <laughs> no, <laughs> no jokes for me. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why Tyler Sharp, who is usually right, is wrong on this one. It's wrong on this one. <laughs> Catch us live at the Nickelback tour this summer. Right? Okay. Well, that's an interesting take. I was not expecting that. I'm glad you found something to enjoy out of this record. It's quite obvious that a lot of people didn't. So enjoy living on that island basically by yourself. I blame the people who marketed the record. That's the only reason it didn't sell high. Okay. I mean, I could get behind that. Blame the label peeps. I could get behind that. BMG's just slowly dissolving Rise Records anyways. It does appear that way. Okay. Top 10 biggest scene bands currently in 2020 we're gonna go down this list 10 to 1 so the first band we're gonna start with is under oath (laughs) right we're doing under oath aren't we why you gotta do that to me man no for anyone wondering under oath is not on this list and i'm sure brian is gonna brian's gonna bring that up every chance he can number 10 is probably the the most unlikely scene survivor band it's dance gavin dance this band just the amount of lineup changes that they have gone through throughout their existence over the last 13 or so years is insane there were points where it didn't look like they were going to make it out of 2008 alive let alone 2020 and be one of the scene's biggest bands it has been absolutely insane to watch them over the last decade plus grow and evolve. And once they finally got Tillian in the band, it really felt like, holy shit, Dance Gavin Dance could actually have something concrete here. And while I'm not the biggest fan of that first Tillian record, their ability to grow and evolve record to record since he's joined the band has been awesome to see, and they have made the best material. I don't give a fuck about Johnny. I love Kurt. I love those two records he did with the band. Their best material that they have written is with Tillian, and all the success that they've received over the last couple of years speaks for itself. So their last record did 30,000 first week in 2018, which is absolutely insane. We talked about it a lot on the show 
back in its first iteration. And, you know, they had that year of Warp Tour to really hype this record up. And they, they, there was so much anticipation off of the last record before that, which is exactly what bands need to do. And they capitalized off it perfectly because Rise Records set the pre-orders up before they even dropped a song off this record. So they let, the an- they let the anticipation speak for itself and it paid off huge for them. And it was so cool to see them have that much success and watch them ride off this cycle. They currently have 917,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. I believe that's the lowest on this list, which is kind of why they, they're at number 10. They're still just kind of playing House of Blues venues, but they are selling shit out. They are moving merch. They are making money, and it is so cool to see. So cool. Yeah, this band is definitely a juggernaut, and it's it's clear that they're placing a great emphasis on quality and I think that we're going to see them be in the picture for the long term. They're not a band. And, and the interesting thing about this band is that they are not a group that is resting on their back catalog. It's actually mm-hmm. all about what they're doing today, which you don't often hear about with a band that's been in the game for as long as they have, where it's all about what they're doing today. People are still excited about their music. They want to hear what's coming next. And I think that shows that this is a group that – is actually placing an emphasis on taking risks, they're taking uh, chances, and they're creating interesting content rather than a lot of these bloodsucker leeches who are still out there going on anniversary mm-hmm. tours that nobody gives a shit about, except for Nickelback, of course. <laughs> except for Nickelback. They're just going to keep coming up this whole fucking episode. <laughs> but you're totally right. And, and for a band to succeed and make it on this list in 2020, you have to be able to rely on your new material. You know, a band that didn't make the cut, but is currently the biggest they've ever been, which is also insane, is Every Time I Die. You know, their last record did 15,000 first week, and, and you go to their shows, and they're still selling out the venues that they do play, but fans love the old shit, but they also want that new shit so bad. And that's exactly how Dance Gavin Dance has been able to survive as well as they have, and they're not relying on those songs from Johnny, those songs from Kurt, or even the early songs from Tillian. Fans love those songs, and they appreciate them, but they're looking even more forward to what the band are going to drop next, and that is how you survive in the scene in 2020. So shout out to Dance Gavin Dance. Yeah, and and speaking of every time I die, I just want to say that Andy doing what he's doing in AEW and also (laughs) being in this band, that is really cool as a wrestling fan. Straight up. No, shout out to every time I die. I mean, those dudes have been doing it for over two decades now, which is absolutely unreal, and they're still fucking rocking. Go uh, go cop that new album when they drop it sometime this year. Who knows when it's coming out. Yeah. But all right, moving on. Number nine. This band... Under oath. <laughs> another band who did not make it on our list in 2017 and 2018, but are absolute juggernauts and may have even been an oversight for Matt and I back then, Parkway Drive. It's kind yes. of difficult to truly encompass how big they are because we don't have access to a lot of you know their numbers over in australia and all the ticket sales over there but everything that i've heard in the industry is that they are an absolute beast and they are unstoppable over there and they're also a huge force here they did a co-headlining tour with uh kill switch engage they were playing like anywhere between 2000 and 3000 cap venues there and they're they're considered, you know, modern metalcore mid-2000 forefathers, but also 
just like Dance Gavin Dance, people are still looking forward to that new Parkway Drive album, that new Parkway Drive music, or that new Parkway Drive tour over here. You know, they have 1.2 million monthly listeners on Spotify right now, and they, their last album did 12,000 first week here, and they've managed to build this foundation around them at home in Australia and in the U.S., which is insane because... It's so difficult to have crossover when you're from a different country and you're not from here. A lot of bands we see are huge over in like the UK and Europe and they can't do shit over here. Like Enter Shikari, for example, you know, they'll play like a 5,000 plus cap over in home and then they'll come over here and I watch them play like a 500 cap in Chicago. Absolutely. So for, for bands to be able to make that crossover and make it work and have longevity, like Parkway Drive have been around for a fucking minute and they're arguably more relevant now than they ever have been and that's really, really cool to see. And I would compare Parkway Drive too to a band like, they're almost like the Metallica of Australia Damn. over there. They are just gods over there in Australia mm-hmm. and you'll see bands that they take over to Australia that you would never consider them opening for Parkway Drive in the States or anywhere in North America or anywhere right. else in the world. But when you go to Australia, it's Parkway Drive time. That's what the fans want to listen to. And they make arena metal and you listen to it and it's got a big feel to it. Their last album, um, Reverence, I believe. You listen to that record and it's just got a massive stadium feel to it. And you can tell that when they were writing that record, Mm -hmm. they were imagining those big shows with the flames and the pyro and everything that they put into a Parkway Drive show. When you go see them, it truly is an experience and it's overwhelming and it's something that you're never going to forget. So they're not just investing in their music. They're investing in their live performance too, which I think a lot of bands miss the mark on that. They Definitely. can write this great record and they go out and it's just a drum riser and it's nothing else. And I'm bored to tears. So I'm over at the bar drinking White Claw, getting <laughs> mashed. And I don't remember your show because there's just nothing interesting happening except for you shouting out the merch booth every third song. Oh, but Parkway shit. Drive is not that band. Parkway Drive is definitely not that band. You know, quick sidebar, I just saw the Almost on their uh, on Aaron's, fuck, what is it, 13-year tour or whatever for uh, Southern Weather, which is one of my favorite records of all time. And it was great. I had a shit ton of fun. Little boring on stage, you know? Like, it does <laughs> affect you know, the enjoyment of the show a little bit when when the artist isn't as into it necessarily as you are. Like, I was losing my shit in the back, but it didn't really feel like they were on stage. But yeah. Parkway Drive is making heavy-ass music for big-ass places, and you can tell that they're bringing as much shit to the table as they possibly can, and it's dope to see a, heavy, a heavier side of a band do that in 2020 and succeed at it. Yeah, when you go see a band like Parkway Drive or Parkway Drive in general, the power that comes from that stage, and it's not based on volume, but it's shocking almost how much power they're able to create from that stage and out into the crowd. This is not a a band that is going away anytime soon because, again, they they create these unforgettable experiences. There will not be a Spotify for concert experiences, and the bands that are going to win going forward into the future are the bands that invest in their live shows and again, aren't getting stage scrims and stage risers and calling it a day. <laughs> Spend some money. Stop being cheap. Damn. Okay. Same with their music videos, too. You know, a quick shout out to everything they've done with that. They're going out there and fucking skydiving and they're spending like real <laughs> money on those fucking music videos. And it's cool to see that in 2020 because, I mean, music videos could basically fall by the wayside. 
you know, we'll see now that YouTube views are encapsulated into the Billboard Top 200. We'll probably see an influx of more music videos now, which is cool to see. All right, so number eight. This is our only pop punk band, depending on what you want to describe uh, a band we'll get to in a little bit. But this is the only modern pop punk band on the list, Neck Deep. They have 1.2 million monthly listeners on Spotify. Their last record, The Peace and the Panic, did 30,000 first week in 2017. They play House of Blues-ish level venues. They've landed some cool support tours where they played bigger sizes. They can headline, you know, between 15, 1,700 caps. But they just have these these fans, and they've really been the only modern pop-punk band to put themselves in front, and maintain that. Who knows what this next record is going to do? I can almost guarantee that it's not going to do 30,000 first week because that record they had available for pre-order the entire summer of the last Warp Tour. So every time kids went to the table, they were peddling that shit. So I, I'm sure that we are going to see a drop-off with their next record because they have been away for a minute. And while Peace and the Panic did give a couple fan favorite songs it didn't last and it didn't have the impact that their record before that did life's not out to get you so it's going to be interesting to see where this band end up at the end of 2020 but for now they're definitely still in the top 10 because we don't necessarily have any information to say otherwise yeah, basing off of the data from what they did on that last album, 30,000 first week is nothing to shake a stick at. But you you mentioned a very good point in that that warp Tour cycle that bands were depending on and relying on for that amount of time is now punishing them. And I, I you know, you talk we talk about issues and how great that album was. I'm sure you'll agree. Mm-hmm. Um, but they didn't have that warp Tour cycle that was afforded to them on their previous releases and they were very big on warp tour and a band like neck deep certainly that was a big part of it for them too the question is are they going to be able to find a way to create energy around that album and get people excited about their product and if they can't do that then they're not going to be on this list next time around and it's going to be a real challenge for bands that aren't necessarily as creative as a parkway drive to get people excited about your music it's one thing when you're a 20 year old musician and you've got all this hype behind you but what happens when you're 30 man are you are you still in the game are you still strong in the game are you still able to create a sustainable business for yourself it's harder than it's ever been to to cut through and does neck deep's next album are there people out there right now going man, I can't wait for that record, or is it going to fall by the wayside? That's what remains to be seen. Exactly, and I know that the band, they do have diehard fans. I am friends with a couple of them here in New York who just ride or die for them and are ready to support them in any way, but your overriding success as a band or an entity of anything depends on those casual fans, and they were really able to capture the attention of those casual fans on the last record because of how good and how successful the record was before that. But yeah, without the Warp Tour cycle, it's such a great point to bring up because a lot of these bands haven't released albums since the last Warp Tour we had. In 2018, there was still that last Warp Tour cycle that bands could use to promote their shit, and now without it, we're beginning to get into the era of bands being forced to find 
some other way to build anticipation around their records because it was almost a given for so many bands when they were ready to drop an album you know they just head up kevin and have their management set it up and be like okay we're gonna do warp for the new record and there was a foundation and a support system around the scene and it's completely gone now. So It's such a challenge. It's such a challenge. There isn't really a home anymore or a hub for these bands to rely on. So they're, it's forcing them to get more creative. And I'm, I'm really interested to see what Neck Deep's going to do. But um, I don't have the most faith in it for sure. But we'll see. It'll be interesting to see where they're at by the end of the year. So Definitely. number seven is, uh, is an interesting name right now. Pierce the Veil. We have, so they've been gone for about two years now, a little over two years. There were sexual misconduct allegations against their drummer, and ever since then, they have taken a break. They went off the grid for a long time. They've slowly ushered themselves back into the conversation. I, without commenting morally in any way on the situation, I don't know how people are going to react to this. It is going to be interesting to watch the fan sentiment because this band was at the biggest they had ever been when this came to light. And it's already been argued that the way they've handled it isn't necessarily a good way. You know, as far as we're aware and from what they've been posting on social media and the teasers that we have got of the new music, it seems like that that member that the allegations were made against is still in the band. So the last record in 2016 did 50,000 first week and they were getting rock radio play off of, I believe the single was Circles, and there was a couple critics who were comparing it to kind of like, you know, the scene, Pierce the Veil version of, of Foo Fighters almost, because it had that kind of four-on-the-floor vibe, and it was obviously tailored for rock radio success. As far as, like I've said, they haven't been active in the last two years. Obviously, for any band, momentum-wise... Unless, you know, you're like a, a, a mystery band who thrives off of creating anticipation by being non-existent, that's not necessarily the best thing, especially in a, the culture that we live in where it's incredibly ADD and people move on in 12 hours, let alone two years. The last tours that they were doing, they were still kind of only really playing 2,000 cap venues. I think if, you know, those allegations hadn't come to light, they would have released a record the next year. Currently, they still have 1.4 million monthly listeners on Spotify, which is fairly low. Um, I think a lot of people took those allegations to heart, and they haven't gone back to the band. So that's why what I'm most interested to see is the fan sentiment around their return. Well, here's the thing about Pierce the Veil, and I've thought about this a lot. First of all, I, you know, I feel bad for everyone who's been you know, allegedly harmed by uh, the member of this band who mm -hmm. the allegations were made against. I just want to say that oftentimes in society, you see things that are circulated on the internet that are put on par with other allegations. But these claims that were made here were not the, the typical rumor spreading that go on online or it wasn't character assassination. These were very serious claims that were made that for me personally, it makes it very difficult to think about anything other than what was allegedly perpetuated by this individual. 
this this is these are claims about underage women and i do not feel as though this has still been properly resolved mm. i do not feel like mm. this situation has been properly addressed i think that i need to have more information about what has happened i am not going to be the person who sits back and just forgets about the last album cycle mm-hmm. forgets about this and says it's been a couple years it's not going to be a part of the conversation that is not how i intend to proceed and you know the last statement that we have if i can uh, read from loudwire here mm-hmm. they they had the statement which has since been removed from their social accounts it says from the day we started this band the four of us agreed that we not only wanted to write and play songs together the rest of our lives but we also wanted to build a strong community uh, they talk about the love and respect they have for their fans, but I want to get to the allegations that they address. Recently, an allegation was made about Mike from an anonymous source pertaining to events dating back nearly 10 years ago. We are taking this allegation seriously and would like to share the steps we are taking in response. Blow or a few words from Mike. I'm, of course, aware of the allegation made about me from almost 10 years ago, and I cannot begin to describe how difficult and disturbing this entire situation has been for everyone involved. I do not take this allegation lightly and would never downplay it. I have empathy for any human being who has experienced abuse or mistreatment in their lives, and I'm inspired to see so many coming forward to speak about it. No one should have to suffer in silence, and I am thankful that the world is finally starting to listen. I want to assure you that I've never intentionally manipulated or abused anyone in my life. This is not the person that I am or how I was raised or the type of behavior that I condone. I strongly believe in the empowerment of abuse victims, so if I've ever made anyone feel they are less than equal, I'm sincerely sorry. Then he goes on to say that he's going to step away from the band uh, for the immediate future. So we haven't gotten a confirmation yet that he's going to be back mm-hmm. in the band, but Vic is not going to play in this band if his brother's not a part of right. it. Right, exactly. And the question is, in this very, very serious situation, what is their response coming back? It is a grave mistake, Tyler, if they come back and drop a video and do not address this further Mm -hmm. because the way that this was initially told to the fans is that we are looking into this. We are trying our best to to look at the situation from all angles. He does deny it, and, and that needs to be underscored. He does deny it, and and that is his position on this, and that needs to be taken seriously. I'm not I'm not saying he did it or he didn't do it. I I do not have that information. Mm-hmm. But I will say that I do not feel like this situation has been resolved and it's something very serious that should be taken seriously, which does not include just dropping a new single and saying, "Hey guys, let's just not talk about this going forward." So I hope that they're able to offer some additional context and and this band can hopefully get back to doing what they do best, which is writing great songs and I just wanted to, you know, with this particular band, mm-hmm. I felt it was it would we would be remiss if we didn't address the 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 elephant in the room, so to speak. Right. And I, I I just hope that moving forward, that this is not just forgotten about. It needs to be taken seriously because it's a very serious issue, and we have to have standards and 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 ethics and morals in this community. Totally agree. I have no idea how they're going to move forward with it, but, you know, in 2020, we are definitely going to find out how Pierce the Veil is going to return, and if if they don't address it in some way, there will be a lot of backlash. We will definitely be talking about it on the show whenever that time comes. So, okay, moving on. Asking Alexandria, number six. This is a crazy story to me, because... 
they were, you know, the modern, the second golden era of the scene. They were darlings. They were metalcore juggernauts for a minute. And then they had all the drama with Danny and it was all feeding into their narrative about how they couldn't control him. And he was dealing with, you know, alcoholism and, and, and a lot of bad things on the road and they couldn't function with them. And then they kicked him out or he left and we didn't really necessarily know what was going on. And they brought in another guy and people really liked the record with Dennis, but it didn't feel like it was propelling the band even more. And then, you know, they shocked the scene and Danny came back and they dropped the self-titled album and now they're bigger than they've ever been, which is just not the most wild story to come out of the scene in in the last couple years, but it's definitely near the top. It's cool to see them be able to propel themselves even further and not be defined by their past. You don't see Asking Alexandria doing 10-year tours for Stand Up and Scream and and, uh, Reckless and Relentless. They are fully focused on making new music and making themselves bigger than they have ever have been before. And it's so dope that they have the opportunity to do that. So they haven't, like I've said, they haven't headlined a tour in a while, but they have been playing on these massive rock radio support tours and they've been getting a shit ton of rock radio play off of it uh alone in the room the the intro track on their new record that was their third top 10 active rock radio single which is crazy you know they weren't getting rock radio play way back in the day when they were first starting to pop off they have 2.3 million monthly listeners on spotify their new songs are up towards the top which is great to see. You don't want to see them relying on their back catalog to propel their stream numbers. Uh, The last record did 22,000 first week in 2017. And at this point, if they bundle and they try to go all out, I don't see why they couldn't beat that. I don't see why they couldn't get close to 30,000. And that's really, really cool to see because they're biggest record was their third one and it was off the success of reckless and relentless and i believe they did 30 or 31,000, maybe a little higher than that i don't have it in my notes but it was right around that that area so there's a chance where they could have their biggest first week of their career on you know what is it their sixth album that's dope as hell well you know i I, as, as excited as i am about asking alexandria and what they're doing i'm so much more excited for danny for danny worsnop's solo album i mean can we just talk about that <laughs> I, mean, I was like on. where the hell is he going with this you need to shut <laughs> no. the hell up man <laughs> all right i mean no, straight but... up i mean we have had more tour news about danny's solo shit than asking <laughs> yes exactly but... but i do want to say asking alexandria there was a time when danny wasn't in the band where they were dissing back and forth and it turned into a real shit show for them and They've turned it around, and they are they are bigger than they've ever been. That that self titled album was a great album, and it is a a great comeback story for them. Mm-hmm. And they're still stable. There's stability with this band, right. and they are a younger band. They totally are. They're a younger band that is hopefully going to carry the torch for rock moving forward. It's great to see them grow out of this crazy emo motley hybrid <laughs> band. Which I, I respected that uh-huh. era as well, but now they've really come into their own. They've matured as artists, and they've turned into a serious act 
And this next record is make or break for them, but I say that in a good way because I know they're going to deliver. Yeah, I'm so excited about Ashley Alexandria record in 2020. Uh, according to Ben in a story towards the end of last year, the record's done. So they just put out a deluxe edition of the self-titled record with some like little bonus tracks on it and stuff like that. But I'm assuming we'll get a summer release around it and a big tour around it, and I'm... I'm stoked to hear what they have in store because I was so surprised by that self-titled record. Alone in a Room is probably in my top five Asking Alexandria songs of all time, but we'll definitely have to do a bonus episode about asking and just unpacking their whole kind of history and trajectory and storyline because it is a crazy fucking story. That band was the hottest mess back in the day, and they were just (laughs) blowing the fuck up because of it. It was wild to document that shit. That was when I was, before I had written at any blogs, I was running a shitty thing on WordPress that I had made. I was like, (laughs) probably like a sophomore or a junior in high school, and it was when like Danny was plastered playing on fucking Kimmel, and he couldn't even stand up, and I was like, holy shit, like, this is like some real stuff, and they were, you know, Ben was apologizing on the stage, because Danny would just pass out, and they went through some wild times and it's amazing to see them as their original members. Like that's another thing to tie into this whole thing about asking Alexandria is that all those dudes have been there from the fucking start. And that's crazy is you usually when you have that much inner turmoil in a band, you lose people, you know, but those those dudes have been there since day one and they have stuck around and they have made this thing fucking work and they're turning it into a monster and it's dope. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what the future holds for them. Definitely. All right. Moving into the top five, top five biggest scene bands in 2020 right now. And uh, this first one has been interesting and exciting and just honestly crazy to watch. Definitely. Number I've been five. listening to them since 2006, and I just love <laughs> Under Oath. <laughs> right? I mean, are we? They're they're five, right? No, no, not not Under Oath. I wish, <sighs> but uh, not Under Oath. You're close though. You're close, kind of. Not really at all. But um, I don't think, yeah, I don't think we're close at all. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Number five, Falling in Reverse. Ronnie Radke has managed to make this thing, that's what we'll call his career, continually and without fail successful. From from court to fucking prison to scene drama to you name it, the dude has been a part of it and he, he's had his foot in pretty much everything that's gone on at some point, but he's managed to make Falling in Reverse this relevant thing in 2020. And, you know, Escape the Fate dropped their first record and 2005 or 2006, I should know when Dying Is Your Latest Fashion came out, but I don't off the top of my head for some reason. But they came out and they were literally, you know, the motley crew of this emo, like, scene thing that was happening. And they were writing these crazy hooks and they were being absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, Matt wrote the definitive piece on Escape the Fate and Falling in Reverse and the scene's biggest feud on Alt Press and it's still alive. And he goes back and he digs up 
everything that happened about that band. When they kicked Ronnie out, he went to their first show that Craig was singing at when they took when he left Bless the Fall and they started playing with Escape the Fate. And there's a video that Matt found that's still on YouTube, I watched it a little bit ago, of Ronnie in the front row of the crowd and you can hear him yelling back at them as they're playing because they were dissing him on stage and Ronnie's in the crowd saying, I can stay clean, I can get clean, fuck you. And it is just, it was one of the craziest things the scene has ever seen. Just all of Ronnie's wow. trajectory, you know, him posting MySpace bulletins on uh, on the internet when he was locked up and, you know, him on the run. And there'd be, I remember sitting down with my mom watching the nightly news and there'd be like news stories about Ronnie, Ronald Radke asking for, you know, if you have any information about him and what happened with all of that that went down in the desert that one day. And it was just, the scene has still never seen anything like that. And wow. for him to just come back and, and, and somehow manage to propel himself even further than he ever has been before, it is wild is the best word that I've got for it. Falling in Reverse have 2.4 million monthly listeners on Spotify. Their latest single, Popular Monster, week to week and day to day, it's competing with Bring Me and A Day to Remember's new songs. That, I mean, that should put everything in perspective right now. Um, it's not, out, it hasn't outstreamed Bring Me's last, like, official single. I know they dropped that weird-ass EP with those 25-minute songs, but that doesn't count. Their last single was Ludens. <laughs> he, and, said, he just casually, that doesn't count. I mean, that, that like, those aren't, that, that's like, you know, something, something that Ollie and Jordan made, like, in their bedroom, you know, because they were yeah, bored was... or high or something, you know? Right. <laughs> um <laughs> We're just going to ignore that EP. <laughs> it's true. So the, the, I mean, the last official one that they really pushed as a single was Ludens. And that has 12 million views on YouTube. And it came out about two or three, two and a half weeks before Popular Monster did. So it's got a little bit more life. But week to week, Popular Monster is catching up with it, no problem. And if, for the last A Day to Remember single, Resentment, that only has 2.8 million views on YouTube and only 5.8 million streams on Spotify. Uh, Popular Monsters got 11 million on Spotify. So it has been How many ins- views does that EDM song that they did have? Uh, what was that? Oh, the that first... Marshmallow. Oh, the Marshmallow one? I mean, that yeah. actually, because it's on all of Marshmallow... It's on Marshmallow's uh, This Is Marshmallow playlist, like the official one on Spotify, it's yeah. actually streaming really, really well. I think it's got 32 million right uh, now. I'm seeing 19 on YouTube as well for the video. That, that was a good song. Oh, yeah. And what's crazy is they have more in the canon with him that isn't out yet. He remixed one of their older songs, too. Uh, I think he has a Have Faith in Me remix that he posted a clip of years ago. Um, so he has stuff in the canon with them, but, um, to get back to falling their last record, uh, did, I believe it was right around 19,000 first week. I don't know how much epitaph kind of, I, I, I have some behind the scenes kind of conflicting reports about exactly how much the record sold, but the, the final tally competes with everyone else on this list. That's relevant enough. Night around 19,000 was the final list list that I have and that was even when he was having all the drama with with Ryan Seaman. You remember all that shit? Yeah. You know, and and he didn't do any press for the album. I remember talking about it on the show. He did no interviews with nobody. He just dropped the songs and they were good enough. Like that's what his fans wanted. If if bands want to catch the attention of their fans, write the music that your fans want and make it good. But that's it. That's all you have to do. 
Ronnie Radke is somebody who is greatly misunderstood. I mm-hmm. think that he's been through a lot, obviously, as you mentioned. And I, I believe that sometimes he creates his own messes. Mm-hmm. And certainly some of the outbursts that he has, that's that's not great Ronnie. That's not the Ronnie that we like to see. We, but, but when Ronnie is on his game like he is right now and has been for quite some time, he's unbeatable. Right. This popular monster song, all the singles, the, first of all, the way he's doing it. Yeah. Everyone's going to copy him a year from now, and it's going to be – they're going to mm. take credit for it. Mm-hmm. He's he's pushing that model in this scene, and you go back, and because Ronnie is this so-called problematic figure, and he says crazy shit like we all say, <laughs> but he, he says it outwardly and isn't afraid of the repercussions, people don't like to associate him or give him credit for some of the amazing things that he's been able to do during his career. Mm-hmm. And so I think Ronnie is this guy who likes to talk shit from time to time, again, as we all do. But Ronnie as a an artist, as a businessman, and 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 all everything that comes with that, he deserves a lot of credit. And I'm going to shout out a video made by the Punk Rock MBA mm. that Shouts. talks about all of the things that – Ronnie has done that people just seem to forget about. This mm. is a guy that is competing with Bring Me the Horizon, and he's number five on the list. Now, I don't know why. I don't know how that shakes out. I don't know the numbers. You're better with the numbers than me. I know it makes sense. Mm-hmm. But he's been on this list. You go back every year. 2017, he was number 10 on the list. 2018, he was number nine on the list. This year, he's number five, just like Dance Gavin Dance. This is a guy who isn't resting on his laurels. Mm-hmm. He's not resting on, on the past. He's not living in the past. It's about what's going on now. Falling in reverse is bigger than they've ever been. And if I'm a betting man, I'm going to bet that he's going to continue to get bigger. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I like the shit talking. I enjoy that he's unafraid to speak his mind. It doesn't mean I have to agree with some <laughs> of the crazy shit that he says. Exactly. But it's nice to have somebody that will go out there and put honest thoughts instead of these little social climber weasels that are out there that are just hoping to get on somebody's mm-hmm. tour and make a paycheck. Ronnie doesn't give a shit about that. He's real. And mm-hmm. there's something to be said about a guy who isn't a stand-up comedian that's willing to put an honest thought out there. And I really appreciate that and I respect that. He's got a set of nuts that I think are commendable <laughs> And I don't – I just want to say that Ronnie Radke doesn't get the credit that he deserves. He gets, Agreed. He does, he does get the credit for the bad shit that he's done. Yes. <laughs> he gets all the credit for that. He does. Everybody is quick to give him the credit for the bad shit that he's done. Right. And he has lived that. He's paid out 900 grand allegedly to the girl for the mic stand. Those wrongs have been righted. But the music and the things he does – People five years from now are going to be following this singles model, and he was the one brave enough or with the foresight to do it. And and that's why I think that next year we're going to be seeing Falling in Reverse higher up on this list. I can't imagine where they're going to be next year. You know, like there's a couple names ahead of them that I don't I don't necessarily have the biggest confidence in, and I have more confidence in him. He's he's literally doing it all. He's doing an anniversary tour for the Drug and Me Is You, and he's bringing out Escape the Fate, his old band, yeah, and the Word Alive, which was Craig Mabbitt's band after he started Escape the Fate, and he's bringing that trifecta together. So he's going to make a shit ton of money off that while he's 
propelling his career even further by having one of the biggest songs of his career take off at the same time. Totally. Like, it's there's, amazing. There's no other band that's doing it right now. Because you always, like we've talked about, you always fall back on anniversary shit because you're not having your current shit take off and you can't rely on that. He's literally doing both at the same time. Yeah, and there's a reason he's living in a mansion and he's with Paige. And <laughs> there's a lot good going for Ronnie right now, and I'm happy for him. I'm happy, yeah. and I hope he's finding happiness in his life right yeah. now after all of the crazy shit he's been through. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, Rock is dead, but you've got people like him. You've got people like Asking Alexandria that are not to be counted out, and you've got people like Issues that are putting out Beautiful Oblivion that are not to be counted out. <laughs> and in the future, the future is bright if people are willing to give it a chance. Damn. Okay. Keep digging it up. Keep digging it up, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shouts to Ronnie. Shouts to Falling. They're number five. Number four, which is a band that I have zero confidence in. And this I, one is controversial. I guarantee will not be in the top five next year. I would bet on that. All-time low. There's a lot to unpack with all-time low in 2020. So first off, they have 33 million monthly listeners on Spotify. A lot of that is coming from their back catalog. They have an extensive, extensive back catalog that their fans absolutely love. I had friends that went to the Nothing Personal 10-year shows, and the reaction, they sent me videos from when they tried to play their new shit after the they played that record in full, nobody knew what those songs were and people were actually leaving when they played the new songs. <laughs> this is an example Last of young renegade. <laughs> this is an example of the opposite of what Ronnie and falling is doing right now. All time low cannot rely on their new shit. I don't give a fuck what they're teasing, what new era they're trying to usher in. <laughs> Last young renegade was the, one of the biggest fucking failures of 2017. And <laughs> It is just a heaping pile of dog shit. Oh and my god, Tyler. I cannot believe that anyone thought any of that was a good idea. <laughs> that record did 33,000 copies first week. That was a major label too, right? They're on Fuel by Ramen from that. So this is the second time they have fucked up a major label deal. How many bands can say that? <laughs> How many bands can say that they have fucked up two major label deals first they build up all the hype in the world with their first two official full-length records and then they sign to a major and what do they drop dirty work and that shit was ass at that time in retrospect now that record is not that bad compared to the shit that they have put out in recent years such as last young renegade and then you know they tried to build up the hype again and somehow they fucking did it Shout out to Five Seconds of Summer for pushing Future Hearts more than anyone else in the entire world. At 85,000 first week. Like, what? That's insane. And it was like, well, fuck. All time low are going to be a thing again. And then they fucking signed a Fuel by Ramen and were like, okay, let's like, let's do this. And, you know, anyone who has talked to these dudes behind the scene, they've only ever wanted to be massive fucking pop stars that's it and that's great you know like you should want to break out as a band you should not want to stay in the scene the your entire existence you should always be wanting to become bigger but they had such a disdain for everything around them and they just their attitude towards how they went about it was incredibly off-putting and they have officially fucked up two times 
that record has as far as like august 2017 it came out towards the first i can't remember if it was q1 or q2 if it was q2 it was towards the beginning but the last uh report that i have that that record has sold was forty one thousand, and that was in the fall of that year i guarantee this record has not sold much more than that i'm guessing it's somewhere around fifty thousand right now which is just an absolute shit stain on that band's legacy so (laughs) i mean dude they're playing like house of blues level venues right now and it's all nostalgia all all anyone wants to hear from all time low is the old shit they have nowhere to go from here you know like i I can't believe that fuel by ramen didn't just torch the fucking contract after that first record drop this fucking (laughs) band they're a money pit don't invest anything <laughs> in this new fucking record. Like, good God. <laughs> that being said, no. I don't, I, I'm assuming they're still on Fuel by Ramen because they did drop a couple awful Lucy's uh, last year and maybe the year before. I, I can't even remember. They were so bad. I listened to them once and then tried to never think of them again until this very moment. But I, I don't even know. Like, the new all-time low record, does it even break 20,000? It's like under 15? Are you like Unless under they're double 10? counting. I mean, double counting what? They're playing fucking House of Blues. It's not like they they got, like, arenas to double count, you know? Yeah. It's sad, man. All-time this low is... is just sad. And that's all I got. <laughs> all-time low, I think, and you know much more about this band than I do, but because uh, I really never cared about them at all, and I'm not saying their music is bad or anything. They just weren't a, a band that I was on mm-hmm. my radar particularly. But I do respect, mm-hmm. and I was always aware that they were massive. But objectively speaking and i remember listening to note to scene as a fan (laughs) you guys would talk about them and so i would go and listen and i remember in the lead up to last young renegades Uh i remember you guys were so hopeful there was so much hope in your voices of of what was going to happen could this could they make a comeback they have another opportunity and all-time low (laughs) they blew it all-time losers is what they should be called because they they had a chance they had one shot as they said in eight mile but they blew it and failed and at this point they should ditch it and go to simple creatures where things are looking on the up and up get rid of the band break the band up break the band up at this point because they have peaked there's not a bright future there and the people who were listening to them now have jobs families dogs mortgages and they don't care and it's bad get off that ship get off that boat warp tours over stop acting like it's there the apmas you're never gonna host again because they don't have the apmas anymore ban this shit and end the band end it tyler Oh, I was waiting for that, man. I was fucking waiting for that. I knew it was going to be this band that you just lost your shit on. As everyone should, dude. This is just embarrassing at this point. Like, you, like, oh my god. I just, I get so pissed off talking about this band and thinking about what could have been. Like you said, we were so hopeful. And we were hopeful for a lot of things in the first go-around of Note to Scene. We want to see these bands succeed. And it is so fucking disappointing when they just shove their own foot straight up their fucking asses. And they (laughs) blow these shots, man. Like, it, it's so disappointing that there are teams that allow this to happen. It is not just bands there is entire support systems especially the further up we get on this list there is actual money behind these bands and and why are people allowing them to fail there are too many yes people in every corner of the industry you know let alone scene and rock music 
but there has to be someone that steps in and says, no, you can write something better than this. You can do something better than this. You've proved it in the past. You know, you have wrote songs that are considered classics in a community. Okay, anyways, we have to get off all-time low. All-time losers, it's it's not happening. (laughs) All-time. Simple creatures. Simple creatures is your ticket out, man. I cannot believe you brought that shit up, man. Oh my god, you want to talk about one of the saddest things that the scene has ever put out? You would think that an Alex Gaskarth and a Mark Hoppus project would be the biggest fucking thing and it would shut the scene down, but they have dropped songs that were somehow, somehow they managed to make music that was worse than Last Young Renegade. (laughs) I didn't think it was possible, but they managed to do it. Okay. It's just a hobby for Mark Hoppus. He's just like, "Eh." A hobby? Like that yeah, sounds it sounds like torture, man. Like yeah. what he's just drinking beers, chilling, and then for, for Alex, it's everything. It's, it's like literally genius. everything. Okay. We gotta right. I gotta uh, reel it back in. I'm I'm sweating. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're moving on to the top three here. Top three right, biggest bands in the scene right now. When Number we three. finally put under oath on this oh, list. Oh my god. <laughs> just sidebar for a second, Tyler. What is your issue with under oath? Come on, man. You can't do that to me right now. The last Give me an abbreviated explanation as to why they're not on this list Jesus or why they've Christ. never been on this list. The last record, oh my God, it was not the success that they wanted. They did not receive it. It didn't, it didn't get the rock radio success that they were aiming for with it. I'm assuming we're going to see some sort of heavier version of whatever Erase Me was on the new record because, you know, they, they haven't catapulted themselves like they wanted to when they started. The record did like, what, 20, 21,000 first week, which was yeah. great at the time. It's exactly what I wanted and expected, but they weren't able to take the cycle and move anywhere with it. You know, the next record's probably going to do like, I mean, fuck, I would be happy with like 14,000 right now. You know, yeah. if they were able to do that, that's what I'd be happy with. But who knows? I have no idea. Under oath, you're probably never going to be on this list for as long as the show's <laughs> going and not literally pains me so much to say because they're my favorite band of all time yes. but we'll do it we'll we're definitely doing that bonus under oath episode on the yeah. whole history of that band like 98,000 first week in 2006 get the fuck yes. out of here get the fuck out of here they they lost the number one to nelly fucking Furtado. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, she had some bangers. That was, I believe, that was when she had the. Oh, you don't mean nothing at all to me. I mean, props, shouts. We love hits, man. When the math adds up, but dude, that's right, baby. A record as heavy as "Define the Right Line" to do ninety-eight thousand first week, unheard of back in the day. Totally. But we'll unpack that another time because we have to get back to the list because we are at our top three. And here we go. Number three. Here we go. I prevail. Oh yeah, baby. They currently have 2.6 million monthly listeners on Spotify, which is yeah. crazy because like this is definitely the newest band that's on this list, uh, which says a lot. Pretty much every band on this list has been around for at least a decade, except for I prevail. It's a big deal. It's it's huge. Like this was the band to come out of whatever the last like five, six, seven, eight years of the scene was. Like I said, two point six million monthly listeners on Spotify. Their last record did seventeen thousand six hundred. So far, it's moved forty eight 
1,000 uh, units traditionally. That's not including Tradi- streaming. Yeah, without streaming, which is going to take that number up a lot. Right. Uh, Lifelines has sold 600,000 total units so far. So that's including streaming. So they got a gold record. Incredible. I prevail have a gold fucking record, man. Well, they've got a platinum record. They uh, The, the, the Taylor Swift cover went platinum. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that obviously was going to go platinum at... You know, there's a good chance that it could go double platinum. Who fucking knows? Yeah. Um, but as far as record, like albums go, that I don't know the last you know scene band that's come out within the last five, six, seven years. If any of them have a gold record, totally. Ins- it has been insane to watch this band grow and blow up and become bigger than their cover. Because that's always the scariest thing for a band. When you blow up and you have a big cover, you know, we saw it with all the Punk Goes compilations back in the day. For some bands, those are their biggest songs. And there are interviews, you can, just an example, Mike Karanica from the Devil Wears Prada, he's like, I don't want to be known as the guy who covered Still Fly and turned it into a metalcore <laughs> song. And it's it's kind of funny to, to see bands who are you know, kind of defined by the covers that they made because they blew up so much and their music didn't necessarily follow suit. I Prevail did it all. They blew up with a fucking cover song and they've made themselves bigger than that. When I hear I Prevail, I don't even think about that cover song anymore. And that's crazy. Yeah, I don't either. I haven't thought about it for a long time. Right. And and I think we're way past the point where People are like, oh, they're the they're the Taylor Swift cover band. So far past the point. Like, if you say that, it feels outdated. It's an old meme. It's a dead meme. Definitely. But I know, I know you're kind of close with the band. Um, what's it been like watching them over the last couple of years? Just blow yeah. the fuck up because no other band in the scene has done this. I'm immensely proud of them. Uh, they, having written the, the music that they write, the they're a great band, obviously, but they're even better people and. You know, we talk a lot about how you've got to have standards in the scene. You got to have people who are who aren't dumpster fires, for lack of a better word. <laughs> and, and this is a reliable band that you can get behind. That's going to keep working on great music. They're well intentioned. They're they're they want to do good things for their fans. They want to create good experiences for their fans. They want to put on a good show for them. You know, I've had those conversations with members of the band and to see what they have become, it's not surprising to me because you talk to a guy like Brian, their vocalist, uh, their co-vocalist rather, but you talk to Brian and he is a deceptively smart individual Mm -hmm. as a business mind and he cares about his fans. Let's go back to December on Christmas when this guy went out on tour and This is a guy, if you talk to him, one of the recurring themes in the conversations with him is family. He's a family-oriented guy, loves his parents, and Mm -hmm. he paid off his dad's house so he can retire. I mean, it gives me chills just talking about that. And he's he's not a guy who's going to get on Twitter and talk about how we need to be great people. He's a guy who's going to lead by example. He's just going to do it. He's just going to do it. He's just going to do the right thing. And... I am so happy to see this band continue to succeed. Trauma is an amazing record and I've worn that album out (laughs) and you know, and I'll say this too. I hope that they're not super jaded on the covers because covers are an an immensely fun way to give fans another side of a band. Mm -hmm. And 
I hope that they're not scared away by their own success, which is a terrible thing that can happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. I hope they're willing later on to maybe experiment with that. They're not a covers band. Anybody who says, oh, they're the covers band, you're, you're, you're ill-informed. Right. You're incorrect. It's just factually inaccurate at this point when they have hits, hits on hits on hits for days and days and days mm-hmm. going down. Look at their numbers. It's not accurate to say that. And so I hope that they're willing to take more chances in the future. They took chances on trauma, and there are messages in their music, like like breaking down, talking about you know mental health and anxiety and things like that. And and I I, I appreciate what they're doing. And I you, you can bet on I prevail. I've been betting on them since day one, mm-hmm. and I've still got my chips in that basket. And I'm 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 ready for the ride, and I'm excited to see what they do next. And I know they're going to do great things. I put hard money that they're going to continue to jump up this list and they're at number three right now which is wild but um you know i have said a couple things about this band in the past and i'll still 110 percent stand by it the the output especially towards the beginning you know they've kind of progressed a little bit away from it but it does feel a little cookie cutter to me but damn can these dudes write a fucking hook man and some bands in this scene and and not even in this scene rock music in general cannot write a fucking hook man (laughs) stuck in my head gets stuck in my head all the fucking time and i don't even listen to the song <laughs> you know what's crazy is that I stuck in my head or stuck in your head. I don't remember the exact title mm-hmm. of it, but I don't even think that's a favorite for them. It is a favorite for me. It's a very catchy song, but I yeah. think that they're going for being an, a, a rock a rock band. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they're going to be satisfied being some scene band. They are a rock active rock band, and I I don't want to say I, I disagree with you respectfully that they're a, a a cookie cutter band. And the reason I say that is that. If you look at the album, there was a real concerted effort to make it diverse. They have mm-hmm. hip-hop, they have EDM, they have all different things on it. And I think they really tried their best to try to experiment sonically with different things, but while also being true to their fans. And that, as you know, can be a real fine line. So I, I, I hope that going forward, again, they continue to do what they're doing now. And again, I'm betting on them, baby. You know I'm not betting all-time low. They're gone. <laughs> They're not nope. on this. Nobody should be putting money on all-time low in 2020, that's for <laughs> fucking sure. But no, yeah, and I I was I was definitely talking more towards like the earlier I prevail material, which yeah. happens with any band and you're going to have progressions as songwriters, but you know, even back then they knew how to write a fucking hook. Um I wasn't the biggest fan of the new record, but it's obvious that it it is moving units and it is propelling them further than they were when they released it. So I'm interested totally. to see what tours they're going to land this year and what, you know, the next chapter has in store. Because if they could get just a couple more rock radio hits, who knows what they're going to put out after this. Like you said, there was a there was a lot more experimentation on the new record. And I I don't know where rock bands go after they reach the ceiling of what rock is now. But uh, like you said, these dudes are fucking smart, and they uh, Brian understands the internet. You know, like he, he knows fucking it, dude. gets it. Uh, that's a huge w- reason why this band got as big as they did. Is he understood the algorithms and he understood how to capitalize on them, and he wrote yes. music that he knew if it got in front of people would take off and look exactly. where they're fucking at. You know, the music so. is there, and sometimes the music being there is just not enough. Exactly, and everyone's like, "Oh, they're uh, they're uh, good at they're on the, the algorithm, and that's the only reason." No, <laughs> no, 
No, they're not. You're, and by the way, your band sucks. Whoever <laughs> ever talks shit about them, they're in some dumpy little band. And by the way, some of these other cats in these bands that are around them, uh-huh. they don't like that I prevail is I prevail. They I don't know. like that they've gotten the success that they've gotten. And they're doing the right things. They're going on tour with Five Finger Death Punch. That's where you want to be if you're exactly. a rock band right now. Exactly. Five Finger Death Punch, let's take the jokes out of it. They are a money machine. And from a business standpoint, it's good to be I Prevail right now because they got one foot in the scene and one foot in rock. And you can't ask for more because you have young fans and you have family who have money and spend on merch. It's great to be I Prevail. Exactly. And listeners, say whatever you want about Five Finger Death Punch. Every one of your favorite scene bands would give up a shit ton to go tour with that band. Oh, yeah. Because they know that that's where they need to move. And and they've tried it. They've all tried to do it, and mm-hmm. many of them have failed. Right. And you've seen the tours, the people that have gone out on tour with them. I Prevail is executing in a way that those bands just can't. All right, number two. We're closing in on number one. This this band will be interesting. I would put money that I Prevail will pass this band. I don't know if it'll happen in 2020. It all depends on how how their new record performs. But... I, I have faith that I Prevail will be bigger than the number two spot, A Day to Remember, which is funny because when I Prevail first started popping off, you know, Matt and I just kind of called them on the show like, oh, they sound like A Day to Remember. Like, it's the same kind of formula, just less pop punk and more rock. A Day to Remember, again, another band we could do an entire episode about. It is incredible how they managed to take the two genres towards the late 2000s of pop punk and metalcore and meld them together and become an absolute fucking juggernaut of a band. Like, it is crazy how this, totally. how big this band got. When they were at the height of that Victory Records lawsuit and they managed to release Common Courtesy, there, there weren't official, official numbers, but the general, like, industry consensus of what that album did was right around 95,000 first week. And... That is absolutely insane to think about during that time, how big this band was. Right now, they've come down from that, and that's why they're not at number one. The The first time we did this list in 2017, they were still at number one. But at that point, they were still on the cycle of bad vibrations, and we hadn't necessarily seen it all play out yet. We knew that Bad Vibrations was their attempt to kind of try to take from the Avenged Sevenfold crowd. It was dark, it was heavy, but it was still rocky, you know? Like, they wanted to open for Avenged Sevenfold, who were direct support for Metallica, and I believe they did it for a couple dates. But it didn't stick. Like, those songs weren't good enough. Whereas I Prevail wrote the hooks and wrote the songs that they needed to, that A Day to Remember album felt like it was way too calculated to be something that they weren't. I Prevail just are. Bad Vibrations felt like a day to remember were trying way too hard to be something that they weren't. That record did 62,000 first week. It debuted at number two. It lost to Travis Scott. As of March 2018, that record has sold 121,000 copies. I don't nice. know where it's at right now, but, you know, any scene album that breaks 100,000 old school, this isn't including streaming, in 2018, 2019, especially 2020 and beyond, Kudos to them. They it's are a huge sti- deal. Yeah, they are still a day to remember, so we kind of assume that they should do that, but it, obviously with the landscape and everything, it's getting harder and harder to do those things. So right now they have 3.8 million monthly listeners on Spotify. 
They have a new record coming out uh, sometime in February, I believe. It's called You're Welcome. I don't think we have an official date for it. But this record is going to tell us a lot about where A Day to Remember stand right now. They put out a single in, I believe it was November. It was called Degenerates. It was so obvious that they had completely ditched trying to take Avenge Sevenfold fans and they were going straight for alt radio. And it fucking yep. flopped because it was a bad fucking song the hook didn't deliver it felt like grown-ass dudes trying to do like the first 21 pilots record or (laughs) it was just bad it was very very bad and you can tell that they you know reset because the next single that they put out resentment was this kind of like you know 2019 2020 version of whatever modern metalcore is now um, it's heavier, it's got breakdowns, there's screaming. I like the song way better than Degenerates, for sure, but there's no home for that as far as, like, the commercialization goes of pushing songs. Like, rock radio it's... doesn't want that song. It's too heavy, it's too... It doesn't fit that mold. And uh, the, it just doesn't feel like... Like, right out of the gates, they are stumbling. Like, A Day to Remember's Return, they're stumbling. And that is incredibly concerning to see. I mean, they put out the the EDM song with Marshmello that we talked about a little bit before. That's obviously doing really well. I mean, that was a great thing that they were able to hook up. I think the song Definitely. is great. I loved it the it's second it song. came out. I don't think the image is there for a day to remember to be a pop band, but we can have faceless pop acts. We've done it before. I mean, look at the fucking Chainsmokers, you know? But obviously a lot of that was Marshmallow and not a day to remember. So with those two singles after that, it just already feels like a hot mess and that's super, super concerning. That being said, this band is still playing like a media as a medium number, 5,000 cap venues. They can still fucking pull those crowds, man. But they have already done like a 15-year anniversary tour just of their existence as a band. So they've already tried to capitalize on that sort of wave of nostalgia. And I just got to feel it's only a matter of time before we get a anniversary tour for Homesick or What Separates Me From You. I mean, What Separates Me From You turns 10 this year. If this album completely flops, we might get a couple What Separates Me From You anniversary shows at the end of the year. And I'm there. Dude, me too, man. Like, fuck yeah. That record fucking ripped, man. Like, all I want, that was a rock radio hit. And it was so cool to see them back then do that. But things are not well for A Day to Remember's trajectory right now. And I think that's that's the ultimate tie-in. Degenerates came out in August, and the August. video on YouTube has one million views. Oh that's my god! Very bad, very oh, bad. Oh, and Falling in Reverse came out in fucking the end of November, and it's yeah. n- you know gonna have nine million eight, here in a eight, little nine, bit. Yeah. Oh my god! Things are man. not well, Tyler. Things are not well. It's wild to see a juggernaut begin to fall. And that's what it's we're tough. seeing. We're seeing the foundation crumble underneath a day to remember as as we speak. You know, the one thing is, though, is like when a video game comes out and they're like, oh, it's it's not ready yet. We need to delay it. Mm. That usually turns out to be a pretty good game. And that's what they're doing with their record right now. I think that a good band and a good businessman will realize okay, this isn't working, we don't have it there yet, they stopped it. In other bands' circumstances, like All Time Low, they just put the big heap and pile of shit out and 
There's no <laughs> reflection. A day to remember is an analyzing the fan reaction to the material they've put out thus far, and I think they're tweaking their album. So I'm not dead in the water with them yet. I am mm-hmm. hopeful that A Day to Remember is going to put out a good record because they've given us so many great records. They've never put out a bad record, in my opinion. So I'm not mm. going to just throw them away. I'm, right. I'm hopeful that we're going to get some fire from A Day to Remember like we know that they can produce. I'm excited to to hear the record. We'll have a full written review of it on notetoscene.com when it comes out. But um, I'm preparing myself for uh, for the worst and hoping for the best. That's what we'll say totally. about that record. Okay, the number one band in the scene. As we said with A Day to Remember, they were number one in 2017. But this band is now officially a repeat two years later because we didn't Ooh. do this episode in 2019. And I'm sure it's obvious to listeners because they haven't been named yet. But the number one biggest band in the scene in 2020 is still under oath <laughs> Dude, i hate you <laughs> <laughs> sorry unfortunately sorry. it's not under oath it's bring me the horizon <laughs> no real surprises here we're gonna get into a little bit of where their trajectory is actually at right now but still even going off of ammo this band is the biggest band in the scene they have access and support like no other band does right now so they have 5.1 million monthly listeners on spotify which is the biggest in the scene they are playing huge festivals they are playing huge venues bigger than anyone else anywhere from 12 and 13,000 caps down to you know four and five thousand in smaller areas but they are still able to play these crazy places and it's wild because Ammo only did 23,000 first week. To put that into perspective, the last Dance Gavin Dance album did 7,000 more. The last Neck Deep album outsold it, you know? Like, it was an incredibly low number and a super, super disappointing outcome for that record because it was obvious that the label did nothing to push it. All they had to do was just bundle it with their tour and they could have easily done 50,000 plus, easily. And it totally. would have put them in a much different conversation. But it's still streaming fairly well. That total, that 23,000, is including streaming. Traditional only, it only did 17,000. Total so far, as of uh, late last year, it has only sold 32,000 copies, which is That's crazy. Tough. And, you know, they dropped Ludens, which was a song for a video game. Can't remember the name of the video game. But it has 12 million stream, like plays on the music video. And it's got 14 million streams on Spotify. It's currently at their top. It's a good song. It has some moments that don't necessarily deliver. And, and as we've seen with Ammo, that song, and whatever the hell that fucking EP was, these guys are ready <laughs> to experiment to the fullest extent of that word. And that's great. I love, I I want bands to experiment. I want them to, you know, not do the same things over and over, but at least have some sort of calculated vision in mind, like I prevail and not do this like a weird hipster ass, like dark Brooklyn club house music. Like (laughs) I, I just don't know what that was. And for them to, to put out a song with Halsey and kind of waste it is incredibly disappointing but they co-wrote a song on her new album and they have another song coming out with her uh it's for the birds of prey soundtrack so 
We'll see how that song does. I don't know how an actual full-fleshed-out song with Bring Me the Horizon and Halsey performs. We'll see. It, it'll probably get around the same response as in A Day to Remember and Marshmallow song. But this band is, is definitely, as we stand today, the biggest band in the scene. Yeah, they've, they have just progressed and they have grown as artists and they are not afraid to take chances. They're not afraid to take that risk. But I do think that they are on the verge of peaking at this point. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that when you start doing this whole, you know, I'm and look, earlier on in the show, I said this is great to to experiment. This is great to take chances. But again, you mentioned that EP. I don't know what that was. Uh, it, it was fun. It was cool. Sure, I love Ludens. Hey, I like Ludens a lot. Okay, but I, that EP just wasn't for me. And I, I turned it on and I checked it out, and it sounded like somebody's passion project. And I was like, well, I don't have time for this. So I think that if Bring Me the Horizon does the right thing and goes back to that's the spirit i'm calling 2020 is the year we need simp eternal that's the spirit bring me the horizon back do the right thing do what's best for business and do what's best for the scene (laughs) and keep your spot for the third year in a row on the biggest scene band because if they do not i cannot see them next year being on this list at number one and possibly not even in the top five damn okay I don't know about that. They're at the risk of a big slide. I don't know about that. I mean, talking about the foundation beginning to crumble under a day to remember, I think the the foundation under Bring Me the Horizon is beginning to weather. I think that's a better term for them. I don't think it's crumbling yet, because if they were to just drop a song tomorrow that is as good as, you know, Drown was... I think the conversation changes. But but you're assuming, though, they have to do that to save the house from crumbling. If you look at new inter- interviews, they're talking about, oh, we're tired of doing albums. They're getting real, they're getting real virtuoso out there. And if you want to be uh, an, an artist in a coffee shop, then you can be the artist in the coffee shop. But you ain't going to be number one on the note to scene list. Damn, Brian coming in with the facts right there. I mean, no joke. Bring me the horizon a repeat number one on this list because no one has challenged them yet. Yeah. And I just don't know if I prevail could get to the point where they're going to challenge them. It, I mean, the house has to completely fall apart and fall into the ocean for I prevail to get to where bring me are at right now. Well, that being said, who knows what's going to happen this year, a year from this date, we could we could be having the conversation that you think we will be having. Well, I think we, uh, I'm not saying that they're going to. I'm just saying that if they don't take some decisive action, right, right. and if they're not consciously trying to write music that is more appealing to their fans, because when people say, oh, we don't write music for other people, well, that's the telltale sign of a uh, wannabe, mm. because you have to have some sort of a, like you said, a calculated vision. You have to be somewhat conscious of what genre you're in or what you're known for. You can't just – I mean to a certain degree you can throw things out there and see if they're going to stick. But you can't just say, oh, we're not going to do any albums anymore. We're just going to do singles unless those singles are really good. And again, there's only two scenarios here that are going to play out. One, they're going to drop bangers. Halsey, it's going to blow up. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> and I'm going to be wrong. And I will happily be wrong. Right? I have no problem being wrong. I want to be wrong uh-huh. on this. But uh, the other scenario where it's trending right now, it looks like they're just going to become Paris 2.0. Damn, they have the, they have reached the fork in the road. Do you want to push this 
to be as big as it possibly can and maybe sacrifice some of that artistical integrity that that you guys are feeling and drop some songs that you're not necessarily in love with obviously because you don't want to write those uh those songs that'll get you there at this point or do you just want to turn bring me the horizon into this weird ass ambient art project i don't know <laughs> i don't know i hope not i mean if they do it's fucking over you know it's over like let's yeah. just burn the house down now it's over so, fast yeah it's over fast so 2020 is going to be a super interesting year i know it's a vital year it, it, i mean yeah i mean we were saying that about 2018 when we did the 2017 one and 2019 about the 2018 one but for what's <laughs> left of the scene and to see how these bands are going to survive in a true like the first year that we are truly in a post-warp tour world you know, like every band is finally off those cycles. Whatever records you drop during Warp Tour, all of that, it's finally washed away. How do you survive? And we're going to see if, if, if any bands can rise to the top and try to climb this list. Because who knows? Next year, I hope there's a band that has never been on this list before that makes it. That 100% want these bands to succeed. It's just it, it, it comes down to innovation and how you treat your business because that's what your band is. It's a fucking business. And if you think it's not, you're fucking wrong. Yes. And you have to take that into consideration in the things you want to do. Well, if you want to put the art first, that's fine. Go play for people in the street. Go go to the park. Right. And do that. Right. If you want to be a pro, go play these arenas and let's go get this bread, baby. Hell fucking yeah. <laughs> All right, that is the top 10 biggest bands in the scene in Woo! 2020. We did it, man. We got through the whole hey, fucking list. We got list. through it. <laughs> we got through it. So before we sign off, I know there's already going to be a, a lot of questions like, where's Paramore, where's 21 Pilots? These bands, as we've said on the previous uh, versions of this episode, these bands are non-breakout bands of the scene. So we are not including your Blink-182s, your My Chemical Romance, 21 Pilots, Paramore. Fallout Boy. Fallout Boy, Panic at the Disco. None of those bands are included because they have had actual hits, actual yep. Hot 100 hits, Top 40 radio play, Major label. all of that, you know, Grammys, all of that success. None of these bands that have been mentioned on this list have had that yet. There is potential for these bands to have that. And I really hope that we can say finally on this show in 2021 that a band has broken out of the scene again. That would be the coolest fucking thing for me. But Definitely. We will see. Who knows what this list will look like. But this is where we're at right now. Brian, thank you so much for coming on. I think, it was an honor. I think we're going to do a lot more of these in the future. Everyone, go follow Brian. Brian, plug all your socials right now. Plug your YouTube channel. Yeah, sure. You can follow me on Rockfeed. Rockfeed's on Instagram. We have a bunch of videos that we're going to try to do in 2020 that are different, fun, and exciting. We're going to take some risks, and we're going to hopefully try to do something along the lines as good as Beautiful Oblivion was by Issues this year. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he can't let it go. Oh, he can't let it go. Okay, uh, listeners, if you have any questions, hit us at note2scene at gmail.com. You can follow note to scene uh, at note to scene on Twitter, Instagram. Go share some memes on Facebook so I can sleep at night and I'm not up. <laughs> feed the beast. <laughs> Please feed the beast. And go scroll through some things on the website so we can keep this shit rolling. Next week, we should be back to our regularly scheduled program of news in the scene and diving down some other holes. So... We'll see you then.